Hello, listeners. This week we have Steve Pyatt coming here to speak a little bit about his experience in life and as a Toastmaster and how he has expressed communication throughout his years. He has a impressive resume, but he was a research engineer at Idaho National Laboratory, and he has a doctor of science in nuclear engineering, and he's also been a member of Toastmasters for the past 16 years. So Steve, thank you so much for joining today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. So Steve, please tell me a little bit about what got you into communicating and expressing yourself as what you call yourself a nerd, quote unquote nerd. What made you want to openly express yourself? As a researcher, I try to find new information. I calculate things or or lead experiments. That produces no value unless I can communicate. So I got into communication primarily to convince people that what I did was valid and useful. And I would talk to people one-on-one or one-on-a-group that I had no eye contact. I spoke in a monotone. Toastmasters has cured me of both of those things. Great. At what age did you realize there, you no, with that? I realized I had a problem certainly by age 30, okay. but it took me a while to act on that. There, there's an old joke that is funny, sort of, because it's true. How do you tell the difference between an introvert engineer and an extrovert engineer? How? An extrovert engineer will look at your shoes and an introvert engineer will look at his own shoes. (laughs) Very good point. It, It is true. We as a, as a class of characters, we typically make no eye contact. Now, there are a variety of rules to be a, a good professional, but you still got to be a communicator. Right. And also, when you're in a, uh, a long meeting, multiple days of eight hour of technical presentations, guess what the retention is? None. (laughs) Not much. No. Well, if you want people to remember what in the blazes you're saying, you've got to be an effective communicator. True. It's a great point. And I think also presence is important. By the time you show up, you want to prove that you have a presence, that you have something that's worth sharing and that they need to give you time and their attention. Do you, have an, do you have an experience Absolutely. in which you've, you've experienced that in your life or you've noticed that in someone else? I'll give you a negative example. Please. <laughs> a, high-ranking, a high-ranking manager at the lab. I attended a workshop back in DC that was a bunch of policymakers and I, I was a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. This fellow gave a half hour talk. All the talks were half hour in, in this long, long workshop. And they were, they were aimed at policy, but based on technical information. This character was atrocious. He talked for a half hour and not once, not once 
looked at his audience. Wow, where would he, he look? At his shoes. There you go. He looked at his shoes. Wow. So what confidence is that portraying to the audience? Oh, Does that fun. tell the audience that this guy believes in what he's talking about, that he thinks it's important, that he stands behind his work, he stands by, no, it doesn't convey any of that. Mm -hmm. That's not what you wanna do. If you wanna persuade someone that what you've got is valid and important and worth considering, no. Now I'll give you a positive example. There's one particular presentation where I was addressing a audience of maybe 25 people, but five of them were a review panel. They were sitting up in front and I was trying to persuade them of a particular approach to a problem. Because of Toastmasters, I knew, number one, focus my presentation on my audience. Number two, watch the audience. Eye contact is only the start. What you really want to do with what we call eye contact is observe the audience. Great point. Okay. So, yeah, I, I cared about all 25 people in the room, but I really cared about the five people up front. That's the real audience that I had to concert. That was my job. That's why I was there. Mm -hmm. So I watched them and I realized their, their faces are not telling me that I'm connecting with them. Now, the old Steve Pye would have just ignored that. I probably wouldn't have even noticed it. My standards, had, bar had been raised. So I watched the audience that I was supposed to connect with. Was it selling? Hmm. Well, instead of just wandering through, I just stopped and said, I detect some skepticism. So I had the confidence to stop my own presentation and I went back a couple of steps and went through it again in a different way. Based on their final recommendations, at least some of what I was saying made, made sense to them. I just flat out stopped, went back a couple of steps, looked them in the eyes and went over through, through a particular stretch of the argument in a somewhat different way. That's impressive. I would not have done that without Toastmasters. Wow. I, I, I believe that reading your audience is the most important way to get a story across or to get a pitch, any kind of persuasion piece across. And I'm so glad that you, you discussed that because I think today's society, we expect people to see our perspectives. We expect them to see it and agree with it right off the bat. And if not, then we become offended. Yes. And it's so important as individuals yes. to understand the fact that people will not agree. How can we help them see from our perspective, but also seeing from theirs? One of my favorite phrases is it depends. <laughs> What's at stake? What's the audience? What, what is my objective in, in whatever the situation is? You have to be able to adapt to whatever the circumstances is, as well as whatever the culture is. Mm -hmm. And two quick cultural examples. I spent a decade in an international project, a quarter Russian, a quarter Japanese, a quarter American, and a quarter associated Europeans. 
the least of our problems was the fact that not everybody spoke English very well. The bigger problem was cultural. And it wasn't right or wrong. It was, we all, we all had the same project objective. We did not approach it in the same cultural way. It eventually dawned on me, as an example, that the senior Russians in the project were ones who had advanced their careers in the Soviet period. These folks knew how to read an audience. They knew when the wind shifted in complex technical discussions. They were the survivors. So I learned to watch the senior Russian in the project, Valeria Chayanov. If he changed his opinion in a, in a complex discussion, design review meeting, I wanted to know why. He knew something, he saw something, he felt something. I may or may not agree with him, but I sure wanted to know what was going on. So circling back to your question, you gotta watch your audience and you have to assess what is going on. And then once you gather that information, then you decide what you're gonna do about it. You first have to assess. And you can't do that if you're not paying attention to the audience. That's fantastic advice. Thank you, Steve. And from working in basically nuclear engineering, what, how do you effectively communicate in such high stakes situations? Not everyone works in nuclear engineering. Uh, they might be a mother, they might be a student, they might be a CEO or coworker but they all have different high stakes situations. What would your advice be for handling communication in a high stakes situation? Start with what your audience understands. Often in my line of work, that means using analogies. If I start a talk on say the dangers of ionizing radiation, two things, or typical happening. One is I will kill the audience and or put them to sleep real quick. And I've done that. I have done that. Three Toastmasters, I've done that a lot. The other thing that happened is I might say something that will trigger an instant angry response. Well, neither of those reactions is of course what I want. Well, on that particular topic, I start with the fact that I take a daily vitamin. Now that's pretty far afield from ionizing radiation. Right. Why am I doing that? Well, a large fraction of people take a daily vitamin, right? Did you, and, and even if you don't, you know, you know what it is. Well, did you know that almost everything in a daily vitamin pill is toxic at high doses? Well, the point there is that there are lots of things around us that are either innocuous or required at small doses and toxic at high doses. Vitamin, salt, sugar, sunshine, all of these things. You need some, too much is bad. Radiation is along the same lines. So I've set up a whole bunch of truths that don't appear to be connected to where I'm really going, but I'm trying to explain something that is far broader than people tend to realize. 
using examples that my audience will understand. Everyone knows about salt and sugar and sunshine and, and vitamins. This is not weird and mysterious stuff. So start with things that your audience will understand and move from there. That's very great advice. Wow, thank you, Steve. And how have you seen that in your personal relationships outside of work? How has Toastmasters kind of helped improve your relationships? Watch deeper. Mm. It's one thing to just, again, looking at someone, so-called eye contact is only the first step. It's what are their eyes telling me? What's their facial expression telling me? Mm -hmm. Are they bored? Are they sleepy? All of these things. Pre-Toastmasters, I might notice things here and there, but now I try to be a fanatic about it. I try to share it back to them. I've had more than one speaker at a meeting or a friend point out the fact, gee, Steve, you're responsive. You're paying attention. I, I look out at you and I see that you're paying attention to me. Because someone who's, who's up speaking or a friend, I am trying, I make a deliberate attempt. I, I, I've done it so much now that it's almost automatic. To wear my reaction on my face. I am giving them the honor of paying attention to what they're saying. If verbal communication is essential, but physical communication expresses almost more than you could ever say with words because it's immediate and it's direct and it's kind of hard to hide. Being a good listener is a skill. Mm. That's true. If, say, in a Toastmaster meeting or in a book club meeting, I want the other people to succeed. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the ways I can do that is to be encouraging in my face, my body language. Who likes to look at friends or an audience and find them asleep? Who likes to look at an audience and find them looking on their cell phone? Or scowling? Nobody. We're, we're all wired the same way in this regard. So encourage them. We've got this wonderful thing called a face that if we use it right, we encourage people. What would be your biggest takeaway from all of these lessons that you've learned in your life of communicating and of kind of sharing your story? What would be your biggest takeaway? I wish I had paid more attention to this stuff decades earlier. If I had joined Toastmasters when I was 20, I would have had a more fun career and probably a more successful career. And what would be the one thing that you would tell the world, the listeners that are tuning into this podcast, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them? Pay more attention to communication in writing, verbal and nonverbal. Pay more attention. And as you go about your daily lives, you go to the store, you interact with friends, interact with loved ones, you are communicating. 
you may not know what you are communicating. You may not be communicating what you want to communicate, but you are communicating every minute. Right. Control that. Learn to use the range of skills you've got to communicate what you want to communicate. Don't do it accidentally. Do it with purpose. That is powerful advice, Steve. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for speaking today. It's been a privilege to learn from you and your experiences, and I hope to apply those exact lessons into my life. And I really do appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Thank you so much, Steve Pyatt, for speaking with us. And I hope that each of you can apply the principles that he shared with us today. Thank you, Steve.